Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Another weekend, another bunch of great performances from the college basketball hardwood. Welcome to the Screen the Screener Podcast where we talk all things college basketball. And Gus, I guess we have to start here with Mr. Josh Hart. Oh man, what a performance this guy's put through. I mean, we welcomed him to the table for the uh, player of the year dinner, but man, did he really put his stamp on and order some appetizers, dessert, and then, uh, I don't know, a chocolate shake to go with it. Man, you got Josh it. Four wow. course. Um, holy cow. Uh, so good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon. Thank you to all of you who choose to consume the screen, the screener podcast. We are fabricating this college basketball listening experience on December 12th, 2016. We hope to aid in your commute. We hope to help you fill a a quiet solo lunch that you might be trying to focus on something, Uh, maybe hide away those holiday gifts. Um, We're going to say think crawl space and maybe the sock drawer after putting away (laughs) the folded laundry from last podcast, right? (laughs) Um, We're so thankful. We're humbled and we're honestly honored to chat NCAA hoops with you guys. Um, Mike and I would just like to say thank you to the ever expanding audience and we want to say hello out there to, to at Boog79 and at Kyle Boone CBS. Welcome to the welcome to the audience, guys. Oh, we're honored to have them. And it's so many great things this weekend, Gus, to talk about. I, I think we just gotta head right into news and notes. What do you think? Oh, absolutely, please. News and notes from the hardwood. Oh, it all starts with Villanova. Number one, Villanova Wildcats, 74, and the number three, uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish, 66. This was a fun, fun game to watch. ND led almost the entire game, really showed us something here. Uh, ND had Villanova in trouble. Mike Bray had a great game plan, really played hard defensively, was very impressed. Nice balance effort for the Irish. Bonzi had 11 points. Of course, the legendary Steve Vistoria with 18 points. Why wouldn't he have 18 in a big game? That's what Steve Vistoria does. And I really like Matt Farrell with 18 points on 8 of 13 from the field. He's going to be so critical, I think, to their success, Gus, as they go through the season. But the story of the game, where it starts, where it ends, is Mr. Josh Hart, right? Man, holy smoke. So he you know, busted out in the Big Five game with a triple-double. But putting up 35-plus on a nationally televised game, wow. Josh Hart, welcome to the, welcome to the leaderboard. As far as player of the year voting goes, man, he just he just he just balled out big time. Yeah, and, and and listen, he was all over the floor. If you look at his box score, it's unbelievable. He was let's see, he was ten of fourteen from the field, three of four from three point range, fourteen of fourteen from the free throw line, thirty seven points, eleven rebounds, ten of which were defensive, four assists, two steals. What didn't the guy do? I'll tell you what he did do, Gus. He announced himself as the leader for the National Player of the Year, I think. You know what else we're going to call that? We're just going to call that uber-efficient. I mean, so, you know, he put his kind of uh, uh, calling card and put his card on the table for the uh, uh, All-American dinner and said, uh, hey, here's my seat at the table. Excuse me, guys. Let me get a seat here. Then he went ahead and folded his card over and wrote a big 37 on it and said, oh, yeah, don't forget, I'm going to be sitting here all season. The guy was (laughs) – it it was a great performance. If you're a college basketball fan, you love seeing guys that have put in their time, have committed to the program, 
and really are benefiting from the coaching that they're getting year after year after year. You love to see guys like that just shine on the biggest stage. Josh Hart, thanks for doing it. Oh my goodness, what a performance. And I'll tell you something Notre Dame did in a loss because it's a copycat league. That's what happens in sports, right? Something happens and then everyone's going to watch it on tape and, and try to mimic it. They put on a clinic on how I think you have to attack the defending national champions. All right, if you look at their box score, they did not have great performances outside of Hart. Six from Reynolds, seven from Jenkins. I'll get to him in a minute. Mm-hmm. Eight for Bridges, eight for Brunson. I know no Booth. DiVincenzo, uh, please, okay? Pascal with eight. My issue is I don't know, Gus. And listen, Chris Jenkins may have the best shot that ever occurred in college basketball history, right? I mean, it's in the top three, I think, right? It has to be. But I have to tell you, I have no idea how he scores. Because I'm watching him this year. He looks slower. He struggles to create his own shot. He's really not super quick on defense. And he really doesn't have a lot of verticality. Yet he finds a way. He has taken. He has made 44 shots from the field this year. 27 of them are three-pointers. So Creighton, Xavier, Butler, they're taking note of this game, Gus, because mm. that is how you have to play them. Now listen, if Josh Hart gets 37, all bets are off. But if you're if you can hold the other guys down, that may be the way to attack this team. Because if you let everybody get eleven, I think that's when Villanova's at their best. Yeah, you you've mocked like the, the <laughs> and so and so scores twelve <laughs> and random player scores eleven. But like, all right, so Josh Hart just like totally you know blew a hole in your boat there and was like, okay, I'm gonna go for thirty seven. And then you know just to talk to uh, Jenkins a bit. I mean, isn't Jenkins just the perfect like old man? Uh, YMCA game. I mean, he he backs you down. He crosses you over. He does a head fake. He's really crafty. No, is he going to ath- out at- athlete you? No, he's not going to do that. But is he going to be crafty and 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 maybe outthink you? Yeah, he's definitely going to do that. I have no problem with his game. I think it's a joy to watch, and it kind of gives a you know other non athletes maybe like ourselves, like, hey, maybe we could pull that off uh, on the playground or at the YMCA too. Yeah, totally true. But listen, great win for Villanova. They were pushed. They responded. They have the heart of a champion. They're going to be tough all year. But real nice loss for Notre Dame. We talked last time you were mentioning about, you know, quality losses you know we battle with that but i'll tell you something you played defending national champions you have them on the ropes for the entire game they lost the lead they fought back again you know and and a first team all-american hopefully according to my prediction uh it you know scores 37 <laughs> what are you gonna do you know so you move on but that was the first one i think that was the game of the weekend um go ahead oh no i was just gonna say you know to just to reference back to that game i mean we we, we cautioned by mentioning that the, the Florida loss to Duke might have been like your your proverbial like, hey, that was a good loss. Um, and maybe we can throw this game by Notre Dame into that same category. You never want to say like, hey, that's a great loss or that's a, uh, um, you know, we tried hard or, or that type of thing. But I think this could fall into that same category here for Notre Dame and they could actually take something from it and benefit it, ben- benefit from it coming down the road. And listen, everyone. Our podcast is taken off right now. We just got a follow at this very moment from Andy Bottoms, at Andy Bottoms on Twitter. Andy, we want to thank you for following the podcast. He is the co-host of the Assembly Call IU postgame show out in Indiana. So, Andy, thanks for following the show. Listen, everyone, you can follow us, if you don't already, on Twitter at SDS Podcast. You can email the show, 
sdspodcast at gmail.com. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. We're also on YouTube. You can hear some snippets there as well. Tune in radio. Subscribe. Follow us. Get involved. Eddie Bottoms, new follower to the show, Gus. Ever-expanding audience. (laughs) Ever-expanding. Well, listen, the next game we'll get to, uh, you may want to take this one because I'm in mourning. (laughs) So so I'm depressed, but go ahead. Uh, your your final four pick took a hit here. We were all excited. You hyped up that that the two WCC teams were going to go into this big showdown uh, undefeated. And oh man, uh, St. Mary's Gales, they took a loss. Gus Q. Mark from Florida with the Oregon St. <laughs> Mary's mocking. Oh, I guess you're making the final four, but you can't beat Texas Arlington. Thank you. I know it's coming. Ah, what a loss. So if you're really paying attention to this game. Um, it wasn't totally a hundred percent unpredictable. Um, yet was it shocking? Of of course. It's on the road. It's at St. Mary's, a school that won NCA has won NCA tournament to their resume. Uh, Two thousand eight, uh, they lost to Memphis. Um, they won at St. Mary's. So peel back the onion a little bit here, and let's see how it happened. Well, we all know that they're favorites in the Sun Belt this year. Um, they have five starters back, always a recipe for success, and they have their top nine rotational players back. They went 24-11 last year, including third place in the Sun Belt with a 13-7 and record. Um, they double-teamed your guy, Jock Landell, all night in the post. Every time, he got a po- uh, every time he got a paint touch, they just doubled down on him. They forced 16 turnovers, very un-St. Mary's-like, especially with that sure-handed backcourt. Um, and Texas Arlington coach Scott Cross said this was the best win in school history. Are, are you kidding me? That is unbelievable. The fact, I mean, just, just think of it. Just, just think of the, this juxtaposed. Okay, Let, let's go to the Arlington side. It's the best win in school history. But then, if you're St. Mary's and you're somebody's best win in school history, like I think, you know, both things win there. Both teams win there. Both programs win there. Do you guys um, hear this? Gus is trying to make me feel better about this. He's doing a great job. He's a great friend. I got to tell you that right now. <laughs> uh, but yes, your, your final four pick did take a hit here. Um, <laughs> so how did this happen? Let's highlight some of these Arlington players. What do you say? We've got to start with Eric Neal, point guard. Under six foot point guard. Um, he's a junior. Uh, he, was not def- he was not put off by... Uh, Rohan, the, the one of the defensive stoppers for the Gales, um, put up 13 points, eight dimes, took care of the ball, ran an efficient offense. Was one of those guys that was doubling back, doubling down on the post when needed. Another junior, Kevin Harvey, putting up big numbers, 18 plus points a game, and this game was no different. He put up big numbers again, big six nine rugged uh, forward. This is a team to keep an eye on moving ahead. You do not want to see them in your pod, in your bracket in March. No, sir, especially after this win. And let's not forget, they played Texas hard too, and they took down Texas. So this is two big-time programs that Arlington has taken down so far this season. Really impressed with them. Yeah, you know, it was a great win for Texas Arlington. I mean, like you said, they got all five starters back from a team that went 24-11 and last year. Um, the coach was fired up for this game. You had an inkling on this game. You had mentioned it to me that it, you thought that it was a little high. It was like 15 or 17, yeah. something like that. 
Um, listen, they came out and they took the game. They did what you have to do in these small school mid-major games. They took the crowd right out of the game right away and put St. Mary's on their heels. Listen, St. Mary's is going to be fine. I understand that. Did it lose a little luster? Yeah, the January 14th game, Saturday night, 10 o'clock, St. Mary's at Gonzaga. Um, wow. You know, not quite as, as, as you know, if it would have been undefeated. But the fact is St. Mary's can bounce back from this. It's no problem. I remember when the Chicago Bulls to go to NBA on your Kearns when they had a uh, – a great season. Uh, they they the seventy two win season. I think they lost to Toronto and Damon Stoudemire mm-hmm. like twice in that year. So sometimes there's weird matchups. It's a great win for Texas Arlington. All the credit in the world. We know they're going to be good. They're going to be a team to be reckoned with in March. Um, we get it. But you know what? They came in and they beat them. It's a great win. And St. Mary's got to respond. And listen, you learn from it. St. Mary's is still really really good. You heard Seth Greenberg talk about him. But yeah. I was shocked. Close game, sure. Loss and a loss by fourteen. No way would I thought that. Hey, you know what else this is going to uh, set up moving forward for Arlington? Now, they're going to be everybody's Super Bowl in the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. So now they kind of have a target on their back. So it's going to be interesting to see how they react to that you know, change in character. No longer are they the underdog. No longer are they like the, the, the hard-punching little guy. Like They took down a couple big guys. Let's see how they respond now. I'm intrigued to see how they, uh, how they play moving forward. I'm going to say it right now, Gus. This tournament that we're coming up is not going to be in the Elite Eight, Duke, Kentucky, UCLA. The mid-majors are live. They are live underdogs. They have senior-laden teams. Be afraid. Be very afraid to large schools because these teams are coming. Uh, I think this is a perfect illustration of that. Absolutely no doubt. Uh, Iowa, Iowa State, another in-state rivalry. We really focused on these last podcast. Uh, this game just happened to be um, a couple of days later, so we couldn't include it into that little section of games. But this interstate rivalry totally uh, lived up to the hype and a little bit surprising, right, Mike Randall? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to come out right now. I don't think Iowa State's very good. Mm. And I know this isn't going to be popular with a lot of people. I think this is going to be a tough, tough year for Iowa State. Yeah. Uh, it's the second year of Steve Prohm. I, I just think the defense is not good enough over the season. I mean, Jock did whatever he wanted to do, had 23. Iowa's tough. It's a rivalry. But the Hawkeyes, who, by the way, are not really known to be a great defensive team, they held Morris down to a reasonable level. They held Burton down, which we talked about. Burton is the key guy there. They're yes, too yes. dependent on those two guys. Morris had to play 37 minutes. They really don't have much of a bench. Matt Thomas is limited. They already lost at home to Cincinnati. Hilton Magic, a little hit. I'm just saying my own personal opinion, Gus. I think Iowa State's going to have a tough year. Of course they're going to make the tournament. I, I understand that. But it is not a team I'm focused in on. I'm not sure if they're going to get a lot, a lot, you know, much better. And I'm really concerned about them. Nice win for Iowa. Big time concerns for me for Iowa State. Uh, Iowa 100% needed a win like this going into the Big uh, Big Ten season. And Iowa State, I think a little luster is off of the Hilton Magic and their lead into the Big 12 season. Uh, they were bandied about as one of the teams that maybe could challenge that Kansas team to break that streak of Big 12 titles. But I think after their, uh, uh, I think after their non-conference schedule and their non-conference results – I don't know if people are viewing that and viewing them in, in, in quite the same light that they did earlier in the season. Um, so I'm kind of with you here that maybe uh, a little shine is off of the Cyclones, and maybe Iowa, maybe they have their act together. Maybe they're going to defend a little bit. Maybe they're going to be as efficient as they are usually on offense. 
Um, and But maybe they're going to get some people shorts and D up a little bit. Um, Jock is going to be an issue. Just like you mentioned, he's going to get his points and, and, and put up big numbers. Uh, so maybe they've kind of righted the ship a little bit. I'm yeah. hoping so. You know, we always hope we always hold hope dearly here at uh, Screen the Screener, and, and we hope both of these teams find success. But for real, I think we hope that Iowa uh, kind of gets it straightened out and has a good season and a, a memorable season like they did last season. You know, the Big 12 is loaded. It's a tremendous conference. You know my thoughts on Baylor. We're not going to waste another hour on the podcast me going off on Baylor. Kansas is Kansas, okay? Kansas State's not going to be easy on the road. Oklahoma certainly is a tested team with a great coach in Lon, in Lon Kruger. Um, TCU with Jamie Dixon is going to be a problem. Shaka in Texas. Oh, by the way, then, of course, is Huggy Man, West Virginia. Honestly, I think Iowa State's in trouble this year. I'll say it right now. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think that this is a precursor. The Cincinnati one at home. Cal Payne had nine. Everyone had six. Okay, fine. But losing in Iowa this badly against a team that's not known for scoring. And what did Morris and Burton combined have, 21 or something like that? They're in trouble. Uh, yeah, they need to put up bigger numbers if they're going to be competitive against a, uh, a high-level team. Not that Iowa's a very high-level team, but again, you know, against a big five-power five team. They have to be much more productive than that for them to, to get a win on uh, against a team like that. Uh, we talked a little bit about Butler and Cincinnati and what we thought might happen, and I was completely off on my prediction of what might happen. Um, so do you want to catch the people up on, on, on what, what you thought would happen and actually kind of what happened uh, for Butler and Cincinnati? Yeah, it, it was, you know— it was exactly what I thought it was, which I said last time. I, you know, Cincinnati, you're going to win at Iowa State and Butler. Hats off to you. And listen, Cincinnati played well. Um, yeah. They, they, they got off to a, a decent start. They made some shots early. Uh, and they had things clicking. But at home, Butler was going to get this one going. And they were going to get things going in the right direction. Um, it was a it was a close game early on at the half. It was tied 35-35. Mm-hmm. Um, your guy right off the bat to start the game for Cincinnati, um, Washington. Kyle Washington, hit two yeah. threes right off the bat. And I'm like, there goes Gus again with these psychic-like predictions. But he got in foul trouble. Yeah. That's what happened. So he only played 19 minutes. Um, Cal Payne finally showed the, the, the Cal Payne that we saw last year. He had 22 points. Um, Evans, who I love, he's my favorite player um, on on Cincinnati, had love 14. Evans. But Butler made a change. They put Martin, um, and Martin now is coming off the bench, Kellen Martin. And I honestly think he may be one of the best players you guys out there don't know. He had 20 coming off the bench. He plays 31 minutes. McDermott started. Uh, and that was a great switch for them because he came in and lit a fire on them, had three threes. Um Shabis played really well as he always does, gets his 12 points, right? He had uh, four rebounds here, but normally he has more. And so basically, it was a nice win for Butler. They righted the ship after the loss at Indiana State, intra division, you know, intra rival game in the state. Uh, and Cincinnati played well, but it, I said double digit win, and it was right exactly the way I thought it was. It was close. It was 39 39 with 16 minutes left, and then the Bearcats fell behind. And listen, you know this better than anyone. Cincinnati's not going to win games. If they got to come from behind, they have to control tempo. They have to control pace. They want the game to be 42 40 with eight minutes left. That's when they're really successful. But if they get out and they're down, they're going to be in trouble, which makes the Iowa State win even that much more impressive. It sure does. And I, uh, it was a shame that Washington actually ran into some foul trouble because it looked like he was ready for a big game. And then they, you know, they had the little dust up. Uh, 
uh, at half court, uh, which didn't help him with his foul troubles at all. Um, But yeah, I think him getting in foul trouble was definitely one of the major factors in this game. And you mentioned the other major factor, which was the lineup, the lineup shakeup that Holtman pulled out for Butler by bringing Martin off the bench, uh, the team's leading scorer. Uh, And I think that little shakeup got their attention and focused in a couple of people and produced a nice win against a ranked team and against a team that is going to play hard every single possession. They are going to they are going to haunt you on the defensive end for every single possession. Those Bearcats. And now you know like you said they have Evans and Copan, they have uh they have Washington. Um so they have some parts on the offensive end. So I think this win is going to shine even brighter for Butler moving down the road because I think Cincinnati is going to be a real issue in their conference once they start playing cuz uh we've seen UConn has been a little down. Uh, SMU is playing okay. Um, Houston is going to be all right. But I'm telling you right now, Cincinnati just might be the best team in that conference. Um, So this win is going to look better and better for Butler as the season goes on. A very impressive win for Butler and for the Big East. Again, the Big East is rolling. Gus, I'm officially addicted to Cincinnati because I feel like I'm going to have to figure them out before the tournament. I really liked them last year. They lost a tough game to St. Joe's, and then St. Joe's went on to give Oregon all they can handle. Mm -hmm. I actually had Cincinnati beating Oregon. I thought Oregon was a year away. They were going to beat them up inside. Physical team. The matchups were good. I really want Cincinnati to be good. I like Mick Cronin as a coach. It's old school. I like this team. It's contrarian with what's going on right now. I am addicted. I have to figure them out, but I don't know because I could easily see them losing in the first round to the wrong matchup, right? Uh, I mean, that's been kind of their MO. Uh, They've had trouble winning a game because of their offensive woes. Uh, But I think this year might be a little different. I think they have options, and because they don't have to bank on an offensive rebound as their best offensive uh, uh, game plan, like they have people that can put the ball in the basket this year. So I think they're, I think their predictable March outcome is going to get shook up a little bit and it's going to change this year because of those offensive options. Um, We'd be remiss if we did not mention what UCLA is doing out on the West coast, right? Yeah. I still think we're the game in the two hundreds right now. (laughs) Michigan. I, I mean, I can't believe we didn't say take the over on this. I, I, I mean, we, but when we broadcast our last podcast, the over under numbers weren't out, but still, man, do they put up some points? Holy smokes! Uh, number two, UCLA uh, defeats Michigan, one hundred two to eighty four. The game was tied fifty fifty at the half. As a fan, what else can you ask for? There were a ton of celebrities at the game. It was a little Laker like. Uh, we had Jessica Alba, Vince Vaughn. I mean, that is an audience for a college basketball game. Bravo to those those celebs getting out. The amount of the threes in the first half was literally mind numbing. Calculating uh, and then you know accumulating with with Lonzo Ball's thirty seven footer from just past half court. Talk about tying a bow on things for the holidays, man. He sure did that for that first half. But now for the game, Michigan is good. Better than you might think. They have players, they have shooters, and they have athletes all over the court and a great coach to put them in great positions. Um, Really impressed with uh, Wagner, uh, 6'11 sophomore. He's got some skills. Um, He could be – I think they're going to be better if they can find more time for him on the court. Good skilled big man. Michigan has some depth too. Seems like they can go eight, maybe even nine deep. Really impressed with them. But now to UCLA. Lonzo Ball – is just good. 
19 points on only eight shots. That's what we call efficient, an efficient freshman. Uh, Golemon definitely gets his money's worth out of every game. He fouled out in just 10 minutes. Good work out of the big man. TJ Leaf is playing like a top 20 player in the entire nation. Not just a top 20 freshman, a top 20 player in the entire nation. And uh, you know what? When we had Coach Biancardi on, he called it. He called Ike Anabogu as a difference maker, and he might have changed this entire game. Now, Michigan shot the lights out the first half. They hit like 12 threes. The percentages were going to – they were through the roof. But those shooting percentages had to revert to the mean, and Coach Beeline was apt enough to foresee this change. And he had his players take a shot fake and take it inside. Guess who was there to meet him? That's right, Anabogu. He erased about four shots, changed a number of other drives, and Golemon fouling out was like, kind of like a blessing in disguise because Ike found more time on the floor protecting that rim. Then, you know what the other thing I saw too? Was the amount of reverse layups using the rim as an extra protector? Crazy. Obviously, they're coached that technique, but you need athletes to pull that off. And man, does UCLA have athletes, big and small, to execute that skill. Then, Alford made a few jumpers and a nice N1 and high-fived some folks to have a... And it turned into a 20-ish point win for UCLA. Now, the dichotomy with these two Pac-12 teams uh, that we discussed uh, last podcast was really apparent. We mentioned how Washington lacked high fives, lacked quick team huddles, lacked a sense of urgency, and just lacked result. UCLA hugged, they huddled, they hurried to timeouts. Hell, Bryce Alford even high-fived a fan on the sideline once the game was out of reach. The energy that UCLA displayed on this was one that really displayed that they loved playing with each other. The passing, the joy, the smiles. Good things are happening out uh, out of Pauly. Keep it rolling, Bruins. Really impressed by their win. Yeah, the start, listen, that was a great summary. Uh, the start of this game was nuts. There was threes left and right, and Michigan was, was hot early. They were hitting contested threes. The game turned, in my mind, on the Lonzo ball. Everything you can do, I can do better. Bomb three from, like you said, like from 35 feet. And by the way, that was very casual. <laughs> that was a casual one. He was comfortable. Whole, whole game changed, I thought. Everything changed from that point on. Good win for UCLA. Michigan challenging themselves going to be a tough Big Ten slate. Indiana, Michigan State, Purdue. I mean, you know, gosh. But uh, really good one for, for Michigan to battle. But UCLA is good. And without um, without Welsh inside even, it was still a nice win. Uh, yeah. great, great job. That's going to be the part that doesn't get talked enough about this game is that, they, you know, they had their starting uh, four or five men, Welch, on the bench. Um, and they did this all without him. And they've, they, you know, he averages over 10 points a game and averages uh, uh, seven or eight rebounds a game. Um, so you have, a, you know, a legit like all Pac-10, all Pac-12 player sitting on the bench and they still put up 100 points. Holy smokes, UCLA. I love watching them play. They're just a joy. Well, there's your summary of news and notes from the hardwood. And what we have right now, I'm extremely excited. I am a uh, and Gus knows this, a huge game show guy. Give me a little pressure luck. Give me a little, um, you know, golden road from Price is Right type of guy. But probably my all-time favorite was the $100,000 pyramid. So Gus does not actually know what's going to go on here right now. So this is very exciting to me. Okay. What we're going to do is we're go- I am going to give Gus 
six clues. Like on the $100,000 pyramid, they got the three, then the two, then the one. And Gus will have 60 seconds. Now listen, if you haven't listened to this podcast, Gus is the foremost authority on all knowledge, players, teams, location, college basketball. He knows it. So I have made up six clue, basically answers, and I'm going to give him clues, and he has 60 seconds, and you'll hear the $100,000 pyramid clock in the background and see if he can get it. I promise you, to everyone listening, he has no idea what I am giving him. I'm a little and, nervous. He is nervous because he's on the line right now, but the guy's 7-1 in fishy line, so why not push him a little bit? So oh, man. I am going to give him uh, the clues right now, and I will start the clock, and you, you you will hear the clock in the background and see if Gus can get the six people. I will tell you this before we start. It is three teams, and it's three players, not necessarily in that order, and they go up in difficulty, okay? Oh. So like, needless to say, Gus... Um, you know, Grayson Allen isn't the last, the last clue. Okay. That's okay. not going to be the last one. Okay. Okay. So I will read that and we'll be doing this segment from time to time. Maybe we'll get some people who come on to play it, um, as well and see how good Gus can be. And I will get harder and harder on him, but folks, the guy is tough to stump. So I am going to try to stump Gus Kearns right now on the screen, the screen of podcast. Gus, are you ready? I'm very nervous, but excited. Let's go, Mike Randall. All right. So let me just get the clock ready here. Okay. And if it, if it hits, uh, you know, zero, zero, he's done, but I, I have a feeling he's going to be okay on this one. But ready? Start, Dick Clark, start the clock. Ready? Go. Here we go. Undefeated. Well coached. Small school. Out west. In Washington. John Stockton is in a. Who is Gonzaga? Yes. I'm a freshman that has been overlooked this season. I'm leading a college basketball powerhouse with another freshman as well. I look like a center, but I can put the ball on the floor, and Seth Greenberg compared me to Dirk Nowitzki when he was on the podcast. Wow. Uh, Who is uh, Lauren Martin? Good. Leading scorer. Big Ten team. Didn't play last year. Recently injured. Hoosiers. Uh, Who is James Blackman? Regular season champions last year. Conference USA. Stunning first round upset. Giddy Potts. Uh, Middle Tennessee State. Fishy Lines. Most conference tournament championships. Regular season champs. Tournament champs. Southern Conference. Uh, who is. Uh, who are. Who are the Lumberjacks? No, time is up. Time is up. I stopped oh, Gus. Dang. I got him. I got him. I, I'm very excited. Uh, this, this, man, this, is, this is Gus's first attempt at this, and folks, this is. He didn't win because now you know it's real. <laughs> okay. The first one was right. It was Gonzaga. The second one was right. It's Lori Markkinen. The third one was right. It's James Blackman Jr. The fourth one, Middle Tennessee State is correct. The fifth one was Chattanooga Mox. Oh, the Mox. I, and let's do the last one just for fun. I knew this would take three seconds. So if you got the Mox, you were going to get it. Uh, player, junior guard, used to play a Kansas transfer. Wichita State. Connor Frank. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Folks, we will bring this back next time, the Stump Gus segment. But I'm glad, Gus, because they realize now that this is really genuine. But that's I, a tough six. Yeah, it was very authentic. Yeah, very authentic. Gonzaga, Lori Marketing, James Blackman Jr., Middle Tennessee State, Chattanooga Mox, Connor Frank. We will try it again next time. He's going he's gonna to get mad now. I can tell. He's going to be ready for the next one. Very good.
Very good. Oh, very nice, Mike Randall. Thanks for entertaining me, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, the listeners are entertaining as well. Uh, that that was fun. I think I'm sweating a little nervously after doing. It. <laughs> little tough. I now know some... how people on uh, the hundred thousand dollar pyramid felt. Oh my god! Somebody's goodness. gonna email me. You really st- you, you gave a Middle Tennessee State and Chattanooga back to back. Yes, that's the type of knowledge that Gus has, and he got <laughs> the fishy line right. So I thought it was fair. So 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 annoyed. I missed the mocks. <laughs> Sorry, mocks. Sorry, Chattanooga. Um, hey, you know what I think we need to do? I just think we need to end up with some thank yous and say uh, thank you guys for playing along with us. We hope that you uh, enjoyed the uh, uh, Mike Randall's uh, uh, game show segment. That was excellent. Stump I was a Gus. big fan. Real big fan. Um, <laughs> thank you for the technology department for sneaking uh, that timing and the clock in there. That was That's just beautiful. Love that you guys did that. Thank you, technology department. Technology. Um, and the technology department does not sound like the librarian, by the way. We'll get to the librarian next time. Yeah, I'm working um, on that voice. I, I am. Yeah, yeah. You know, keep keep practicing that on the commute back and forth, and 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 playing around with the technology voice and the librarian voice. Thank I'll be, you. I'll be divorced shortly. Bells are on their way in already, Gus. I can hear them, folks. If you like what you hear, rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Follow us on at the S Podcast on Twitter. You can follow me at Fantasy Warrior Mike, F T S Y Warrior Mike. Or Gus C. Kearns, C-K-E-A-R-N-S-12 on Twitter. We'll be back again this week for preview, Broadway, more wrap-up, fun stuff. Stump Gus, great segment. Screen the screener.